Um, it's great to be here. Uh, just look around and, um, and just sort of smile at everyone in the room here today. This is a church family that is uh, evolving from a church on Turnham Green that was going to be closed uh, just 30 years ago by the Bishop of Kensington. And this is you guys today. And not just uh, the people here. I've just come from a bumper service over at Turnham Green where there were huge numbers at the 9 o'clock having a whale of a time together as well, thoroughly enjoying uh, the service there. So it's great to be part of this church family. There's uh, more people meeting over at the Mission Hall in our 11 to 14s group, um, or, or not. They're all over here. I got a picture last week of the group in the Mission Hall. How many, how many young people were in youth church last week? There were 20 young people aged 11 to 14 in the youth church, and that's the group that used to meet in between the soft play over at Turnham Green just a couple of years ago. Isn't it exciting what God's doing? Uh, but before we pray and get into the passage, it is worth noting from the passage uh, that Jesus isn't selling a vision of comfortable consumer Christianity uh, to Chiswick in this passage. He's saying that if you're going to follow me, sometimes it's going to be tough, sometimes it's not going to be easy, sometimes it's going to be hard, and we'll pick up on that uh, through today. But on the other hand, what he does promise is that his kingdom will keep advancing and people will come into his kingdom and be transformed while they're there. So let's pray and see what God's saying to us today. Father, thank you so much for your grace at work among us today. And we pray for an outpouring of your spirit here in this building as you keep bringing us back to life. May we hear from you and know your heart and your ways. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. So we've got some slides coming up, Monique. Thank you so much. Uh, and I've ambitiously entitled the first slide, The Next Seven Years on Earth as in Heaven. Um, that may be a direction of travel rather than a rival point, but it is, after all, what we pray each day and each week. We pray, your kingdom come on... It's pretty hard to get away from that being a great strap line for a church. It's exactly what Jesus prayed for, and it's exactly what we're trying to see happen here in this church, in our families, in our workplaces, in our life places. And one of the things, looking back over the last seven, seven years that I've been among you, is that we've seen this happening again and again. We've seen a gathering in of people, a growing of people, and a giving away of people. Uh, we've had 150 of the surveys back so far, and there's some preliminary sort of findings from it. One of the most interesting ones that stood out straight away is that half of the surveys that were completed were completed by people who have only been in the church family for less than three years. Isn't that extraordinary? The number of people God's bringing into our midst. Now, some of it's because London moves fast. So some of our great people that we drew in between six and four years ago, or between nine and six years ago, have left London. We've given them away. They're flourishing elsewhere. But it's also amazing to see the new life that God keeps adding into our midst. And we've seen the wonders of people growing here and being given away. Michelle at the back is going to give us a wave, unless she's gone out with the kids. Is she there? Michelle, stand up, give us a wave. Michelle is, is one of our former interns, did a brilliant job here, and is now making a difference over in Holland. Uh, and Emily, who you'll see on the 20th of May at the evening service, making a difference in Uganda. We've got other people like uh, Lydia, who's in Bristol, making a difference at Trinity College, training to be a vicar. In fact, at this moment, assuming the last one gets through their selection, we will have five members of our church family in training for ordination which is amazing, isn't it, from our little church. 
God is repopulating the church across this country and across the world because of what you do collectively in training people like me and others to become better at ministry and then to do things in other contexts as well. So how do we make decisions as a church as we have got bigger and as we've grown? Our church membership now has got over 350 adults. That's just the adults. And then we've got over 100 children and young people part of the church family as well. There are over 350 people on the electoral roll now in the church. Lovely to see, isn't it? How do we make decisions? Well, the answer is the same way we always have. Um, And it comes back to our foundational principles, uh, which we began to look at in 2012. They're not particularly um, distinctive to many other places, but they're all drawn from the life and teaching of Jesus. Uh, One of them is that we're good news people or party people. Another one, that we're Bible people, spirit-filled people. We're humble people, which means we want God to get the glory, us to be considered less important, him to be considered more important. We're realistic about our need for God and about the problems in the world, as Kelly so helpfully reminded us in our prayers. There are some things we can't sort out. We need his help to do. That's what we call sin, and we're realistic that we need his intervention there. We know that we're loved by the Father. We know that we're called by the Son. We know that we're on the winning side, even when the battle's raging. And we're headed for wholeness, which might not mean physical healing now. It may do, but it definitely means wholeness for eternity, which is our destination in Jesus. And finally, that we're called to be dangerously radical. When you listen to the life of Jesus, when you read the comments in Jesus, you get again, as I said earlier, that he's not trying to make a comfortable Christianity in Chiswick. He's trying to establish a mission team who are prepared to do whatever it takes to shake heaven and hell and see the kingdom of God come into a world that desperately needs Jesus Christ, into hearts that are lonely, into people whose lives are broken. We know that we have an incredible resource in us that the people out there need. It's one of the reasons that the development proposals for this building include a knocking through of these archways. So there's a sort of permeability and over there as well. So people can sort of see in and out. And this isn't a, unless you're in, you're in. It's you're always in. Come closer in. Because there is a God who's drawing people to himself all the time. And we want to be a part of that here. We want to be dangerously radical. Not everyone is going to like you, says Jesus. Don't try and win a popularity contest if you're a vicar. You're going to ruin your entire life and your health and your ministry. Just get on with what God says, and you'll see wonderful fruit. Same for all of us in our life places and workplaces. So what is our mission? What's, what are we all about? Well, I've broken it down into slightly simpler words than we've had before, and it just comes into these three short phrases. We're called to be friends of Jesus. That's our prophetic movement. We're called to hear Jesus' voice. We're friends of Jesus Christ who are increasing his family, increasing it in holiness, in love, in unity, and in numbers, and transforming Chiswick, London, and the world. Friends of Jesus increasing his family, transforming the world. And in order to get there, we've always talked about five key vision areas, again, slightly simplified. The first one is that people know that they're loved, accepted, and valued by the living God, their Father. I just long for our school gate friends and our social club friends to know that there is a security in their life that they can find out through God the Father. It's radical to talk about God as Father in our context, isn't it? 
Sometimes when I'm talking about God as Father, I do a whole preamble on how God is also Mother, and there's good reasons behind that. Why? Because we've got such awful father figures in so much parts of our community. But people need to know that there is a secure authorizer of their life who can speak into them and say, you're all right. I'm behind you. I love where you're heading. I'm for you. Go for it. Or, occasionally, <laughs> get back in line, son. <laughs> Come on. You can do better than that. We need to know that we're loved, accepted, and valued by the living God, our Father. We need also, we believe, these extraordinary buildings God has given us to become the lighthouse beacons on the green and the beating heart of the community God's called them to. I'm sure you all know the lighthouse story. Do you know the lighthouse story? Uh, it's, it's the one of a lighthouse established on, uh, on a coastland where many ships are wrecked, and into it was a, a, a sort of a place where people could be rescued, and people came in bedraggled and wet, and eventually they said, let's build a better place. Um, in thanks that these lives have been shared. And they made a beautiful place with carpets and comfort and sofas. And then they rescued people from the sea. They brought them in soaking wet. And they're like, our sofas are getting ruined by these wet people. Uh, let's keep them out. Let's make it into a club and don't let anyone else in the room. And uh, so they eventually had to build another life station to save people. That's not what we're called to be, is it? We're called to be beacons, lighthouses saying, come in, even if you're wet, bedraggled in a mess. Come in if your life is broken. Let me let you into a secret. I've been here for nearly seven years now. I happen to know most of the people I happen to know, lives are in a bit of a mess. <laughs> you can look around you and say, is your life in a mess? Uh, <laughs> we'll save that Pentecostal moment for another time. But most of us have our lives in a mess most of the time. That's the nature of being a human being. Life is difficult. It might be a problem with your, one of your relatives, a problem with your workplace, a problem with your parenting, a problem with feeling lonely or isolated or ill in some way, but most of us carry something difficult in us some part of the time. We need to be not in a settled club for good people who are sorted, but in an open arm place saying, come in if you're broken. We are too, but we've met the guy who's putting us back together, and his name is... Amen. <laughs> Wonderful. We're getting somewhere. And the beating heart of the community. As you know, when that ball is happening, if we'd already got the prayer chapel going, there would have been people coming in here to the ball, seeing past the glass screens there, going, flip me, I don't want to dance with anyone right now. Anyone been there? <laughs> That's me at a ball. And just settling in there for a little quiet time in a corner. And doing what? pouring their heart out to God during the May Ball event, at a children's party, at a social event, at a club, just walking through those permeable glass doors, never would come into church for any other reason, but because they got here for that, they walk into the presence of God. Because this building is to have God as the beating heart of it. Day in, day out, no matter whether it's school gym happening in here, a play happening in here, no matter whether it's church happening in here, there will always be a place where you can pray and meet with God. That is fundamental to our vision as a church here, that there is space. And you say to me, well, Richard, you can pray anywhere. So absolutely, for goodness sake, please do, but do you? <laughs> when it's noisy at home, when Netflix is at home, <laughs> when your phone's there in your face, 
Does your home feel like there's a tiny gap between you and heaven? Or is it crowded out with digital technology, noisy children, or just a sense of, ah, I'm on my own? Yeah? Why is it we feel different at Faldi Brennan, or Lee Abbey, or New Wine? It's because people dedicate a place to prayer, and transformation happens. And I tell you, if you're in there and you've been praying your heart out, you'll then go home and you'll pray in a different way. Because when you've met with the presence of God, you carry the presence of God with you. The beating heart of the community where we meet God, make friends, and transform the world. Thirdly, our vision is that people are equipped to follow Jesus Monday to Sunday at home and in the workplace. This is not about here. It is not about building a bigger, better church. What a terrible toil that would be to try and do one of those things. Horrible vision to have. This is about all of us released that the kingdom of God may come through our workplaces, through our life places, through our schools, through our education places, through the streets as we walk around them, that Jesus' kingdom expands everywhere. Not interested in making the best, biggest, brightest church, except that it might fuel the kingdom of God expansion. Do you see? We want to equip one another for this, and that's why in June we're inviting people to come and teach from their experiences in the life places and workplaces from the book of Psalms and help us think through how do we do Monday through Sunday together? How do we make a difference? And some of the testimonies I've heard from that in the workplaces, we've done series like this over the last few years, have been spectacular. It's amazing seeing what some of you do and carry on your travel, on your commuting, in your workplaces. God is ruling and reigning. And do you want to know something? The very nature of going to work and making wealth in a culture, making jobs for others, helping provide for others, helping give opportunity and purpose for others, that is kingdom in and of itself. It's not how many people have you evangelized to today. It's what's your purpose? Are you fulfilling it? Are you creating culture that changes people's lives closer to the kingdom of God? And then, as Wesley says, what are you doing with the resources he gives you from that? Up, in and out, Monday through Sunday, at home and in the workplace. Children and young people. Just popped into the creche nest now, and it was, uh, it was interesting to note that there's no one on duty in the creche. No one sort of helping to welcome the families in. And that's been true, actually, on lots of our Sundays across both our sites at 10.30. This real sense of stretch in the community. And one of the reasons is because many of our folks here, you're really busy. And actually making it to church on a Sunday is pretty much all we can cope with. And thank you for being here, if that's you. This isn't a guilt trip. But it's, it's a reflection that to do great children's ministry, we need great resources in our context. Sometimes that's real sacrificial giving where people go, actually, this is my calling. I'm up for that. And sometimes it's rationalizing and going, actually, what could we do if we bring our resources together? While we're meeting in here, Katie Simpson, our children's advocate, is uh, helping the children do a little review of what they like and love about church. They did one just before Christmas as well. It was glorious to see the answers they came up with. Looking forward to hearing the results of their survey of what works well for them uh, this morning. But we have a heart for our children and our young people, that they will live life in all its fullness. 
Now, we wrote that down before I realized it was on a prominent local secondary school's mission statement. And I have to say, I think we probably mean a very different thing to what a school means when they uh, take on this strap line and, and, and pretend it means getting better GCSEs and A-levels. <laughs> we long for our children and young people to know, as the film Cool Running says, that they're good enough without the gold medal, <laughs> that they don't need the gold medal to be adequate in Jesus Christ, that they need Jesus. And from that place of adequacy, then we long for them to flourish into all the giftings that they've got. But it's a different way around orientation. Our first priority is they know they're loved, accepted, and valued. And in an area where there's a right mix of us, but there is a tendency towards fast pace and high achievement, we want to be able to go, actually, pressure's off, guys. We love you for who you are. You're all right. You're safe here. You're special. I don't know if you can remember back to going to Sunday school, if you happen to have been a Christian for that length of time, and what it was that made you feel valued and safe. I remember hearing uh, Annie, who's just stepped out, talk about when she went to Sunday school at Axon Green Church, uh, back in the day when it was Axon Green Evangelical Church, what's now our mission hall. And she was saying there was an older couple there who just loved her. And even when she'd gone away from God in her teens, they loved her and prayed for her. It's amazing what consistent, faithful people can do, even if they're not the coolest kid on the block. <laughs> but they just pour their hearts into people. Consistency, faithfulness, will you be there for me? Is one of the big questions young people have to ask. But we long to see them living life in the fullness. We long to see them advancing God's kingdom. I went over to the mission hall uh, for a Sunday service not long ago, and I heard Tillam preach. It was the first Sunday that uh, youth were preaching. It was phenomenal. I mean, it was brilliant. I heard three other people preach that day. They were all good as well, but this 12-year-old boy was nailing it. It was fantastic. Isn't it exciting what God's doing in our midst and shaping through our young people? And we long to see more and more of that ministering to the whole community and church community as well. God bless them. One of the obvious reflections on the mission hall has been the benefit of bringing together our 11 to 14s from across the whole family of God. If you're a room and there's four of you, it's quite nice, isn't it, as a sort of a small discipleship group, but there's not that sense of momentum. When there's 15 to 20 of you, something's beginning to happen. And it's gone from being a group on a Sunday actually to one of our congregations on a Sunday now. Wonderfully led by Zoe and the team. God is on the move in our young people. I'm excited about it. And let's see what can happen. But imagine you're in a Sunday school and you've just graduated out of the Tower Tots group or out of the Lighthouse room. You're five. And in the room is your big sister who's ten. That's a big gap, isn't it? And we're running two Sunday schools exactly like that at the moment. Now, there's got to be a sort of a rationalization where you think, is that a bit crazy? <laughs> We're putting a lot of resources into this. If we employed a children's worker, where would you send them? Well, one week there, one week there, one week... You're not there for me then, are you? <laughs> You're just split into two different bits. What about when we bring them together? And you can say, look, fours to fives, you're together. Six to sevens, you're together. Eight to nines, you're together. Ten to fourteens, you're together. And suddenly there are people at your age around you that help you to belong. Makes a huge difference in you wine, doesn't it? If you've been in the summer and you see the groups together in that age group, 
Have you seen the 800 kids in Groundbreakers? That's the six to nine-year-olds, and you wine in the summer. It's extraordinary. What if this could be the best hour in young people and children's weeks in W4? I don't think that's a far-off vision. I don't think that's a distant promised land. I think with the resources we've got here, the staff team we can attract here, the facilities that are beginning to come together here, even with what we've got now with the huts and the prayer chapel and the lighthouse room and the mission hall, we've got phenomenal physical resources to use. We could make this happen, folks. Let's think about it, dream about it, pray about it, and discuss it on Tuesday night. Vision five. Jesus Christ worshipped in spirit and truth by people of all ages and backgrounds, and God getting all the glory for he enables us to do. All ages and backgrounds. I have the most fascinating conversations with people in our church family, because we are a great and diverse family. There are some of you who I know would just love us to sing for about 45 minutes each week, yeah? And there are others of you who'd be like, could you please shut up? We've been going for seven minutes now, yeah? Yeah, let's just own that reality, yeah? But that's just honest truth. Sometimes it's a journey, and sometimes, bizarrely, and freakily to those who are passionate about one side or the other, the journey goes the other way, and it's not backsliding, it's just a change of how you express yourself. Chatting to someone this morning at nine o'clock who used to come to contemporary services, and he was like, you know, when I was young, I could bop around to Christian heavy rock, uh, which sort of confused me for a second, uh, for, you know, for hours. Uh, but now, actually, I just want a bit of peace and quiet. <laughs> um, and actually, one of the things that is possible for us with our range of buildings and spaces is to, to say, you know, let's do the best we can with the best we can. Let's not just do a fudgy compromise on things. Let's, let's go all out for what's right. But let's keep an eye on those who need to be drawn in as well. Because those who are already in, frankly, you know, you can put a Hillsong CD on at home and go blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we want to be drawing people closer to God. His presence is massively here. I, I know that because every now and then someone comes to visit who I respect. And, and you sort of forget it here because the temperature goes up. It's like the frog in the water. <laughs> you forget what journey we've been on sometimes. And someone comes in and goes, wow, I love that. Just at 6 o'clock the other week, someone came in from another church and said, I just love coming to your church family. Um, just for a refresher now and then. Someone else came to the 10.30 at Turnham Green the other week. I just love the sense of God's spirit at work here. Sometimes we don't realize what God's given us, what we're guardians of, stewards of. It's amazing what God's doing among us. And we want everyone to be able to come into this journey with him in spirit and truth, but to do the best we can with it. And we're looking forward to all that, that can mean. And we'll chat more about that on Tuesday night as well. So as I sort of begin to push us forward in this now, outcomes that we're hoping to be friends of Jesus, increasing his family, transforming the world. There's lots of progress we can talk about. You've got the annual report now. There are stories from workplaces. The incredible financial story that last year we ended up with a 7% um, surplus, totally unexpectedly. God just giving us a go on, keep going on the accounts. And a huge thanks to John Rideout and John Mullaly behind them for the incredible work they've both done. Let's give them a round of applause. Incredible work. Because as the church's finances has grown, and we now have seven or eight toddler groups in a week, which all bring in 
quite an enormous income between them, uh, enabling us to do all sorts of different mission and ministry. Uh, the work level that the finance committee and those guys especially have had to do, and Caroline was doing it before, has just gone through the roof, and yet they've just done it faithfully serving. Not paid members of staff, but definitely members of staff. Phenomenal and wonderful people. There's wonderful things on baptisms. I don't know if you spotted Nicole on the uh, base there. She's going to be baptized in a couple of weeks' time. It's lovely to see what God's doing in our midst in all sorts of ways. So possibilities going forward that we'll talk about on Tuesday night at our annual vision night. Streamlining Sundays for mission is a real possibility, but I'm not dictating it from the pulpit. We have a way of making decisions here. It's an annual meeting and electing a church council who go away, mull on things, think about it, and vote for things. That's why Tuesday night's so important. You get to elect who is going to be making decisions in the life of the church. That's the way our democracy sort of works here. We want people full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And I'm in the midst of the group of PCC. And you see people who see things like, I'm definitely up for that straight away. And others who are like, ah, I don't like change. And that's exactly what we need. You need people who are like all in and people who are like, but if. And that's what helps us on the midst. It's not all people who just say yes to anything the vicar comes up with, because half the things I come up with are ridiculous. But it's people who collectively discern, yeah, maybe direction of travel is this. And we go that way. The best hour in the week for kids and young people. Strong teams so that we never have the situation where there's no one on grace duty. Or welcome team. So the band is always as strong as it can be and should be. So there's always great people to do prayer ministry. So that no one goes away unprayed for at the end of a service. So the hospitality, small groups and so forth build up. And ultimately, of course, what we want to be is a, a church that keeps resourcing the wider community. We want to be able to take people in and give them away. Maybe that means us planting again to another church building in the future. There's plenty of places around us that need help, and far more further afield who desperately need help as well around the country. So we pray for that. Our mission to be friends of Jesus, increasing his family, and transforming the world. So this is the prayer that I've come to this week again and again. I came across it years ago, and it's just meant a lot to me this week. It comes from the Methodist Church. It's their covenant prayer. I think it dates all the way back to John Wesley, uh, but it used to have these and thines in it. This is an updated version. And I'm just going to read it for you, and I'll put it on our social media so you can see it, and maybe pray it for yourself in due course. I am no longer my own, but yours Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious 
Blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine, and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen.